0: Hello, friends. I'm Eric Nance and you are listening to episode 14 of the R Weekly Highlights podcast for issue 2020-46, released on November 16, 2020. This week's issue is curated by Colin Fay with help from the R Weekly team members and contributors. The worldwide COVID-19 pandemic has infiltrated many aspects of our daily lives and has left us searching for answers across a variety of issues. One very natural question is where do this and previous versions of coronavirus originate from and what are the genetic traits making up these deadly viruses? Unlike previous generations, an abundance of publicly available databases for genome sequences with contributions by the worldwide community are available to access and use as sources for data analyses. Liam Breerly epidemiologist and biostatistician at the University of Liverpool, has authored a fascinating post linked on the R-OpenSci blog on leveraging multiple R packages with the highly regarded R-OpenSci initiative in our first highlight for today. While the volume of genetic sequences and databases like the NCBI's GenBank is a huge win in most views, There can be variations in how users submit key metadata, resulting in duplicated terms within host organisms and the like. Liam illustrates how the Rentrez package serves as a connection to the Entrez databases such as GenBank with intuitive functions to query based on search terms and produce logical summaries alongside metadata. Much of these metadata is entered as text. And that's where Liam plugs in a taxize DB package to produce a consistent set of taxonomic classifications of these hosts. Through a bit of tidying and visualization, Liam demonstrates that many sequences of coronaviruses have been sampled from humans and domesticated animals, as well as quite a few species and bats. The ability to assemble and prepare such a rich data source in a completely reproducible framework. Taking advantage of R can be a great launching point to new analyses that hopefully bring us closer to finding new answers and understanding the potential for new viruses in the future. Speaking of reproducibility, our next highlight addresses another very important dimension of reproducibility that does not always get a lot of attention. Having the R code and session information about the packages used is certainly a step in the right direction. But how can we ensure that the system environment is also reproducible? One powerful capability that's been available for many years in Linux and other operating systems like BSD is the concept of containers. These are self-contained and isolated system environments running on a host platform. The Docker project took advantage of this standard tool chain of container technology by adding what many consider as a more accessible layer of commands and mechanisms for sharing container instructions. With the R community, projects such as Rocker, led by Dirk Edebuto and Karl Boentiger have created an assortment of Docker containers with multiple versions of R and selected additional software such as the RStudio server IDE and Shiny server. If sharing the analytical environment of a project in a reproducible way via techniques like Docker is a best practice, then what are the ways developers can get started quickly in the R ecosystem? Sebastian Rochette from the ThinkR organization has authored a detailed overview of the new Dev in Docker package in a recent blog post. Sebastian walks through initializing a project and creating a Docker container that optionally can persist installations via the powerful rnv package management system, as this can save the developer an immense amount of time bootstrapping containerized R environments instead of having to install packages fresh every time a new container is built. Having multiple developers that may be using different operating systems utilizing the same Docker containers for a project can greatly minimize what can be painful issues in moving from one OS to another. The Dev and Docker package is in its early stages of development and Sebastian encourages users to give it a try and provide feedback on the package's repository. No matter what experience level you have with R, there is almost no escape from dealing with errors. Within R, there are excellent mechanisms for debugging errors such as the built-in debug, debug once, and browser functions to magically dive in to the environment where errors occur. In terms of handling errors, there are multiple options available to you. In our last highlight for today, Adi Sered, PhD student at Tel Aviv University has written on his blog a comparison between the built-in air handlers of TriCatch and the per package from the tidyverse, offering up the safely and possibly functions for air handling. Adi demonstrates how you can prevent a function from completely exiting when applied to a vector of values by providing a default object type to return when errors occur, and optionally capturing the precise error message. His post concludes of a small benchmark comparing the runtimes between the three methods, and the built-in try-catch method emerges as the fastest. But it is important to weigh the trade-offs between speed and execution and complexity of code. And that wraps up our highlights for episode 14, but you will find many more stories and resources to level up your R knowledge this week, including a great example of scraping large websites with the swimmer package, an overview of web frameworks available in R, and much more. I'm excited to see that we have over 800 downloads of this very podcast across a worldwide audience, and thank you so much for tuning in and making this podcast a success. We would greatly appreciate spreading the word of this podcast, say, on social media or leaving a review on the iTunes or Apple Podcast stores. If you are not subscribed already, simply head to ourweekly.org and click on the podcast link at the top for all of the details. Have a great week, and we will be back with another batch of our weekly highlights next week.